Well, hey there, Chuck here again. Sure glad you chose to download this episode of the QMC EMS Boarding Collar Podcast. In this episode, we're stopping to take a look at the 1135 waiver. We'll be talking about some practical application and best practices during this COVID-19 pandemic. And we even get a bit philosophical. So here we go. Engage brain, take notes. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the QMC Board and Collar. News and thought-provoking discussion for today's emergency medical service professional. The Board and Collar podcast series is brought to you by QuickMed Claims, a national leader in emergency medical transportation revenue cycle management and reimbursement consulting. Now, your host for today's Board and Collar podcast from QMC's business development team, Chuck Humphrey. So what's an 1135 waiver? Well, here's how it's defined on the HHS website. When the president declares a disaster or emergency under the Stafford Act or National Emergencies Act, and the HHS secretary declares a public health emergency under Section 319 of the Public Health Service Act, the secretary is authorized to take certain actions in addition to his or her regular authorities. For example, under Section 1135 of the Social Security Act, the secretary may temporarily waive or modify certain Medicare, Medicaid, and Children's Health Insurance Program, or CHIP, requirements. This is how the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services define that 1135 waiver in action. And in their document, which can be found on their website at www.cms.gov forward slash Medicare forward slash provider hyphen enrollment hyphen and hyphen certification forward slash survey cert emerge prep altogether forward slash downloads forward slash 1135 hyphen waivers hyphen at hyphen a hyphen glance dot pdf if you just google 1135 waivers i think you'll find the same link well the phone started ringing not too long ago when the coronavirus pandemic finally took its grip on america and we're about one year in on that it's hard to believe not long after that the extent of the crisis started to come into focus for many of us That's when the 1135 waivers, both the blanket national waiver and individual state-by-state program-specific waivers began to be issued. So, like I said, our phone started ringing. People started reading about this, wanting to know how it applied. Now, billing companies know, or they should know, that there's more to this job than pushing paper each day. You know, we have a responsibility here at Quick Make Claims to support our clients and understand the issues that impact their bottom line. Understanding the impact of waivers during this world's most prolific emergency in a century is certainly part of that responsibility, and we take it very seriously. Here at Quick Make Claims, we fielded all type of inquiries from our clients. It's largely really, guys, why I'm proud to work for such a fine organization. And you know what? I'll just throw a little shameless advertisement in here. If you're out there evaluating a billing company right now, what are your options? 
whoever you choose, and I hope it's us, choose a company that truly cares about the clients they serve and one that fully understands the peripheral issues versus just the mechanics of sending out bills. QuickMate Claims has that down. So look, back to the questions we received. So one of the questions that rolled in from a client uh, involved in a bit of digging into the philosophy and the intent of the 1135 waiver. So the question went like this. It was submitted to us regarding a patient transport from home to doctor's office for some routine services. The patient requires ambulance transport due to his condition and typically pays out of pocket for the service given that a doctor's office does not meet CMS destination requirements. Now, the patient's primary coverage, of course, was Medicare fee-for-service, or what we call regular Medicare, and that invoked the Medicare guidelines must be followed. However, when considering that the 1135 waiver was issued and that the origin and destination parameters were modified in the face of the pandemic, our client was really astutely asking if during this waiver period, there may be a window of opportunity to submit claim or claims for this transport series for this particular patient to receive payment from the Medicare administrative contractor. Now, the question boiled down to this, philosophically speaking. Is the intent of the 1135 waiver to relieve a patient from any out-of-pocket expenses due to the overall impact of the public health emergency? Or is the purpose of the waiver strictly limited to the task of moving patients between point A to point B in order to force the quarantine of patients and stop the spread of the virus? Okay, so we set out to land on the answer. The task at hand invokes such an interesting brain teaser that we took the added step of convening our dedicated compliance team into session. Following that meeting, our in-house subject matter experts decided that we would go one step further and we reached out for an opinion from our compliance legal counsel. This is just sound practice. With careful, deliberate input from all persons considered, it became very clear to us that the letter and the intent of the waiver landed squarely in the movement of COVID-affected patients and not to grant a sudden out-of-pocket relief to patients who normally would not meet either a medical necessity or a reasonableness test. The compliance lawyers followed offering this advice. Ask yourself before billing, would this patient normally have gone to the hospital for this scenario? With careful consideration, we were able to boil this complex scenario down to one litmus test sentence, which we then rolled up to our operations people as a guideline to apply over multiple questionable pandemic-related scenarios. So folks, what's the ultimate lesson we learned from this? Three simple words, take your time. When evaluating a complex compliance question like we did here, it is always best practice to do the following. And we'll offer four steps that are important. First one, take a step back, pump the brakes before billing any set of claims out when there are underlying questions. This should be your number one consideration in situations like this.
Step two, call together your in-house and outside subject matter experts and talk it through. A half hour meeting could save a whole bunch of time later if you're billing claims out that shouldn't be billed and something happens down the road. Third step, try to arrive at a simple set of compliant directives that will drive future billing procedures. If all you do is meet and then you walk out of the room and nothing's done, the same issues are going to keep coming up. Boil it down, put it in writing, probably best. And then fourthly, communicate out your boiled down litmus test to the people who are billing out the claims. If you can make this as simple as possible into a directive that can be followed by all, your entire organization will benefit and you will ensure that you are compliant with all of the rules and regulations, including the 1135 waiver. Well, we've come to the end of our episode. Hey, why not check out a few more episodes while you're at it? It's been great to be with you, hanging out here today, talking about 1135 waivers. So until the next time, keep the wheels down, the shiny side of your rig up, and most importantly, and above all, be safe out there. Hey, thanks, guys. Chuck out. Have a good one. Look for you next time. Take care.